I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. It's got, um, I, I got about, uh, let's see, three, six, seven proverbs I'd like to teach on tonight. And I know I won't get half of them done. And I, the last one that I uh, wanted to teach on tonight is one of my favorite. I, I've got another one or two in there that is pretty close to this one and in, in being my favorite. Because Proverbs, I've, I've said it several times, I'll say it again. You may be seated. Uh, but Proverbs is the whole Bible condensed. Everything that you will find pretty much in the Scripture and principles and in teaching and doctrine, you will find in the book of Proverbs. And uh, I'm not a- alone on that. Uh, there's, there's several men that feel the same way when it comes to it. Now, this, of course, is the, is the anointed uh, writing of Solomon. Uh, some of them. Some of them aren't. But by the most part, they are from him. But uh, I'm trying to figure where to go, so I decided that I was... I was listening to the song that was written by Lanny Wolf here just a few moments ago, and I got a little, I love the song, I got a little maudlin because you can hear, feel such anointing in it, but then, you know, the writer had some problems, and it just uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you see the potential, and anybody that has a lot of potential uh, is attacked so hard by the devil. And especially when it comes to music, and, and it's it's such a shame when you see this uh, occur. So what I decided to do, then I'm going to go backwards, and and Monty, you don't have to worry about this when I even give it to you, uh, but you can kind of keep up. Go if you would, if you could find for me Proverbs 25:17. Again, this is one of my one of them that rakes <coughs> rakes way up there, and um, Proverbs 25:17 says this: Withdraw thy foot. From thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. Now you know we laugh about that, and I laugh about it. You know, I I've told the story many times. You, know, you get people that come to your house, and sometimes the only way you can get them to leave is to tell your wife, "Hey, let's go to bed so that these people can go home." You know, that's some way. But you know, there is there's some something to this, and I want you to look at this because not only does it say that you can like you can become weary of these kind of people, but you can also begin to hate this kind of people. And as Christians, you know, that is one thing we don't want to have as a part of our life. Hatred should not be there, but yet it can get to the point where you just, you know, where do you draw the line? You know, the Bible talks about we're supposed to be given to hospitality, at least in a, in a ministry, you're supposed to be given to hospitality. So where do you draw the line with hospitality? You know, where do you, Christmas and, vaca- and, and vacations, you say, or, no, Thanksgiving, I'm sorry. Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, well, okay, that, 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 that's okay. Um, but, you know, where do you draw the line? When does it become to the point where you, uh, it becomes rude when you begin to get weary of it, and you don't want it to. Uh, you don't want it to get to the point of hatred. And so we're just gonna we're gonna come over and cover some of this here tonight, and just kind of touch on some areas that I think all of us need to understand. Uh, because overstaying a visit is rude, and it's offensive. It really is. And I, I also believe that, that good people, good 
people avoid it because it, it shows a lack of courtesy. It shows a lack of decorum, etiquette, and manners. And one thing that I have seen in our society is that you do not have a lot of manners out there. I mean, children are out of control. And you hate to see them come to your house because you know that you're going to go bust about $7,500 worth of furniture or whatever else you've got in the house. Uh, or, you know, they're going to stick things in their pocket and walk away with them. Well, you know, as a pastor, I have seen that happen. We've seen some of this, this kind of attitude. And, and what, we need, what we need anymore is rather than teach in school where Bolivia is, we need to teach manners. You know, it needs to be taught in a school setting, and it needs to be taught in Sunday school. It needs to be taught. People need, and parents need to be sure. Of course, parents also need to set an example. When it comes to this, it's inconsiderate, it's selfish, and it can cost you good friends. Part of, of wisdom, of course, the book of, of uh, Proverbs is based on wisdom. But part of wisdom is learning to be acceptable and pleasing to others. That is wisdom. I want to be acceptable and pleasing. I want to serve others. I mean, that's part of what this is all about. And, and you can't do that and <laughs> overstay your welcome. God's children should not be in any way offensive. Uh, and and this, this proverb gives us practical advice and how we, we really need to live. In fact, all the Proverbs really touch a great deal in just the practical. Uh, anybody that would look at the Bible as a book of irrelevant and impractical history and theology has never really read it. They haven't read it. If you can get people to start reading, and even if, if they won't read anything else, you can read the book of Proverbs, they're not that hard to understand. And if you can get them into that and you can get some of the practicum in, into some of these people, then you can get them into the parts that, that not only matter as far as how you live, but how to be saved. And so it's, it's they need to understand that this book is not irrelevant in any way. Friendliness includes visits and communication. But too much of either can burden and spoil friendships. Uh, also, Proverbs 25.16 says, and I, I didn't really get into that one, I kind of skipped that one, but too much honey can make you vomit, is what it says. So excess may cause contempt or hatred. And that's really what it's talking about in, when it comes to the honey. It's not a matter of honey making you sick. It's a matter of too much of any one good thing can make you sick. Too many good buddies come into my house all the time and, 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 and drinking my, my, my soda pop, my iced tea, my milk. You know, that, that gets costly after a while. You know, too many people expecting me to feed them all the time. The, 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 my grocery bill goes up. But, you know, you're the pastor. You're supposed to do that. No, according to Hezekiah 7 and 8, you're supposed to take the pastor out and feed him. You can look it up for yourself. <clears throat> okay. Never can find that, can you? It's always a hard one to find. <clears throat> Excess may cause contempt or hatred. So Solomon urged temperance and moderation with friends. Moderation. You know, that is another one of those words that we don't talk about very much. Moderation can cover a great deal. The Bible tells us to be, uh, to be moderate in all things. We are to, to not excess one way or the other. That we're to be moderate. We're to, to, to stand in a place where we don't overdo anything. And if we would do that, our lives could be much simpler. Our lives could be better. 
You know, oftentimes we, we get into one area and we do it to the point where we, you know, it's just, can you say that you can, you can't really do too much prayer. But I've seen people who have focused on one thing for so long that it was obviously not the will of God. Now hear me, what I'm saying, don't you take this out of context. Because it's not the will of God that make themselves sick and think that prayer doesn't matter. What's the use in doing it? They overdid something that God didn't want them to do. They did. They wanted something that God didn't want them to have. And so they can overdo things. So we have to look in moderation. It should be a mental thing with us. I should look at everything that goes in my life and see, am I being moderate in that thing? Am I wanting something from God simply because I want it and it could be an excess of what I really need? And so if we begin to, to think in moderation, we begin to understand, I, if I'm going to get down and pray for an hour, I'm going to spend a great deal of that hour just telling Jesus Christ how much I love Him and how much how thankful I am, not down there for a full hour telling God how many things I need or how many things I don't have. So I need to understand what moves God. Because if you tell God enough how much you love Him, you might get some of those little things you would like to have. Now that's good preaching. That's the best you're going to hear tonight. So, communication includes, friendliness includes visits and communication, but too much of either can be a burden. Now, uh, common courtesy is not as common as you wish. You ever heard the term common courtesy? Do you know that the the common sense went out uh, probably about 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago? Common sense, not common, is it? You know, you've heard the term common sense, horse sense, or the sense of a horse. I never could figure out horse sense. Horse didn't have a lick of sense. Never did. Not a horse alive ever had any sense. Not even Trigger had any sense. So, you know, it's, it's, it's none of them have any sense. But you begin to think, what is common sense? Well, common sense is just being able to look at a situation and realize, and in the case of this particular proverb, uh, there's a time when you need to pack up and go home. There's a time that you need to say, hey, you know, I, 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 I've, I've been here for a while. Why don't you come over to my house for a change? That's common sense. But again, common sense went out a long time ago, and we need to common courtesy along with it. <clears throat> but it should be for Christians who, who, you know, we should have that. Who must be without offense to all men, and especially other saints. We need to have common sense, according to 1 Corinthians 10.32. In this selfish generation, etiquette and decorum are ignored or despised to this generation's shame. It's a shame what we do to one another. You can get away with doing it to a Christian because they're supposed to accept anything. Am I correct? That's how we're supposed to think. And you get somebody who knows just enough about what a Christian should be, and they'll take full advantage of that. Now, I believe God honors us, and we can, you know, people can, can take advantage of us, and God will give us back. I believe that. But there comes a time when it starts working in your spirit, and you become bitter. And then you have, a, you have that root of bitterness begin to build up inside of you that will eventually take you to a point of hatred. So it takes time, you know, if you're causing someone to get there and if you have not been able to look at somebody and discern when they do not want you around, then there is something wrong. And we're going to try to cover some areas here that will help you to understand that. Uh, facial expressions, for instance. When my lips get real thin, that means I'm mad. Okay? 
when fire starts blazing in somebody's eyes, that means it's time to go home. When the person is asleep on the couch and you're over there talking, it's time to leave. When finally they do say, stand at the door and kind of, you know, open the door and say, well, we'll, uh, we'll let you go now. It's time to go. Come on. We can just keep going, and I'll come back to that. But it's just, let's look at some things to help you understand. There's two common variations of this Proverbs wisdom. One is negative, and one is positive. It is said, familiarity breeds contempt. And to warn against excessive time with friends, other than exceptional friends, the more time with another often leads to dislike. Now, there, is, there are exceptions to this when it comes to exceptional friends. An exceptional friend is the guy that you can look at and tell him, you know, if you don't straighten this out, straighten that out, then, you know, you and I are going to part our ways, and that guy says, you know, you're right. That is an exceptional friend. That's an exceptional friend is can take it when you criticize them, and if you can take it if they criticize you. That's an exceptional friend. But if you're one of those persons who, who kind of puff up, and I don't want to be your friend if you're one of those people. I don't want to. Do you mean you don't love their soul? Yes, I love their soul. I want to see them make it to heaven. And you know what? I'll even walk on the same streets of heaven with them. But on the other side of it, when it comes to that person, unless they can learn not to so easily be offended, and we are living in such an easily offended age, people get offended no matter what happens. It's so easy for people to get offended that it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous of what you can't say or can say. So that is why sometimes it's, it's good to have a friend, but it's also good to keep that friend at arm's length to a degree. I'll get a little bit further here. You'll get it. All right. It's also said that absence makes the heart grow fonder. And to state the need for space and time even among friends, valuable friends will be revealed by an absence for affection and desire to see the other party will increase. Now, that is a mean, you know, you have to observe both rules. You know, sometimes, again, absent makes the, the heart grow fonder. Familiarity breeds contempt. So there is a time that you just have to realize, if I'm going to keep this person as a friend, then I'm going to have to give this person some, some space. My best friend is my wife, and I have to give her space, and I know her pretty well. I can't understand why anybody wouldn't want me around. But I can look at her time to say, you know, I think I better go hunting today. <laughs> you know, that's just what I think I'd better do. <laughs> and so away I go. Nothing worse than <clears throat> that's nothing worse than getting a. Uh, we tried to figure out her her maiden name. We think was French, so she's got to have a little French in her, and and they got bad tempers. So I, you know, you just uh, you don't. Me, I'm always mellow and kind. And, Oh, thank you, Jesus, and I'm so good, and everybody else is so bad. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, it is easy to overstay a visit, visit too frequently, call too often, talk too long. Are you there? Email too often, text too frequently, stay on. You got it. Facebook way too much. I'm going to write a book on Facebook. 
I'll put it on Facebook. Put a book on Facebook that tells you what. It's just real easy to do this. And people, it's too much. You know, and what happens is these intrusions can be a burden and, and lead to resentment and hatred. Would you never, what you would never do to a stranger, you might easily do to a friend. You have that. What you would never do to a stranger, you might do to a friend. The Scriptures can make you wise unto salvation. 2 Timothy 3.15 tells us this, and, and provide everything needed to, to ministers in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. But they also teach wonderful practical wisdom. So here's good advice to help you grow in favor with men, as Jesus Christ did in Luke 2.52. Let me, let, me, let me get this. Luke 2.52 tells you that, and, and I, this, is, this is one of my good scriptures, favorite scriptures too. The Bible told, uh, talking of Jesus said he grew in favor with God and with men. So, you know, don't stand out there and say, well, I'm going to grow in favor with God. That's all that really matters. The Bible says that Jesus grew in favor with both. So there is a right and a wrong way to do things. I just was talking about marriage before, before service a little bit, and one of the things that, that, that I, I have heard so many times is when, you know, when you came to me and you said, I know that... I'm, you didn't. I'm just using an example, okay? That it's it's God's will for me to marry Leslie. You know, I know this. I prayed and I fasted and I did all this. And God spoke to me out of a, a pillar of fire, you know, and, and it told me this is a woman for me. How many times I've heard that? I would like one time for the people who come and tell me that, for them to, to ask God to tell me the same thing. I never get to hear it. I always believe in the biblical way of doing anything. In your patience possess you your soul. In other words, if you love somebody, you'll still love that person, whether it's six months later, a year later, or 50 years later. And that's the best preaching you're going to hear tonight, too. But I'm just saying, uh, and, and using that as an example, that we, we, can, we can love people. But we can love people from a distance. We can give them give them their space, and we don't have to you know we don't have to spend every ten minutes uh, texting them. We don't have to spend every ten minutes on, on on Facebook talking to them. It's not necessary. Now, what am I hearing? Oh, it's blue eyes down there. Are you preaching with me? I love those glasses. He put his yeah, look at him. That's good preaching. That's it. He stuck his hand out to me today and let me shake his hand. <clears throat> now, the wisdom in these, these few words equals Solomon's solution of, of, of cutting a baby in half, Second Kings or First Kings 3.25. Uh, it's, that's, you know, that, that seems, you know, he wants to cut a baby in half. Of course, no mother wants their baby cut in half. But it's the same, the same wisdom that allowed him to use that analogy that had him talk about what we're seeing here today. You know, withdraw thy foot. So we need to appreciate this kind of wisdom. So it's great advice in plain words. Now, a foolish man thinks frequent calls and many words are friendship, but wonders why he has few friends. So here's the answer. He's too close. Solomon called the offense here a weariness and cause of hatred. And we have, to, we have to love the plain book of Proverbs. And this individual proverb is something that we have to look at and realize that it can't apply to us. God wants you gracious. He wants you polite. He wants you courteous. And he wants you successful. 
Ease of communication makes this proverb more needful than ever. A three-mile walk to your neighbor's farm in the past discouraged a lot of visitation. If you went to see somebody, you probably stayed the night. If it's three or four miles away. But you didn't do that every week. You didn't do that probably every month. They appreciated the time that was spent with, with people back when you, didn't, you had to walk or ride a horse. But now with cars, phones, email, text messages, and more leisure time, limiting factors have been removed. Today, people in their cars with a cell phone assume everyone else is waiting to hear from them. Oh, yeah. Everybody, because you got your cell phone, you ought to be able to answer me immediately, regardless of what you're doing. And it makes me mad when I call you and you don't answer. It does. I call Lori, and Lori never answers her phone because somebody else has got her phone normally. She never answers her phone, but she does get back. Within 15 to 20 hours, she'll get back to you. (laughs) But, you know, it's it's the ease, and you get the feeling that way. You get the feeling that everybody is waiting for you to call them or you're waiting for them to call you because it's so easy. Don't deceive yourself. None of us hear an exception to this rule. And though your heart thinks so, you know it's not the case. Your, your calls and your visits are no more precious than those of others. And to grasp this firmly is to save yourself from hatred. And you will increase your friends. Be wise and err on the side of restraint rather than run the risk of incurring their contempt. Now, is there greater pain than to invite guests for supper and have them stay too late without regard for your need to clean up and get an early start the next day? That's just like... Cleaning up. You got 15 people that comes there for Christmas dinner. And, the, and two people are cleaning up. You want me to preach that for a while? Now, you, you got Thanksgiving coming up and you got Christmas. You know, it's good to offer even if the person who's hosting all of this doesn't want you to. It's nice to make the offer. You can wish and hope and cross your fingers that they'll say, Oh, I don't need any help. Or even better yet is to pick up your plate and carry it over to the sink. Is that good preaching? All right. I finally hit the right one there. I finally got that. All right. So it's a matter of uh, being willing to do something. And believe me, that kind of person will be invited back. <laughs> yeah, it's the only one back. <laughs> oh, all right. You wonder why people stay so late. The answer is simple. They're selfish, and they presume you want them all night. That's what they presume. Now, what can you do as a guest? Now, you know, I'm looking at, at, at this and trying to figure out what, is a, what, is, what do you do as a guest? You know, suggest that you should leave. Simply suggest you should leave while the, while the night is young. And let your host dictate how long you stay. If they agree with your request, leave and know you're wise. If they beg you to stay, do so and graciously try again an hour later. Let them beg you to stay. Let them do that. It won't happen very often. (laughs) You know, a related proverb crushes pride and teaches nobility. When invited to an event, sit in the least important seat. I was going to, that's one of the, other proverbs is going to teach on this kind of uh, goes and, and, and couples into this or actually bleeds into this next proverb. Uh, when you're invited, again, when you're invited to admit, sit in the least important seat, it's better to be asked to move upward than to be asked to move down. 
according to Proverbs 25 and 6. Also, Jesus spoke of that in Luke 14 and 8. You apply this wisdom to visiting neighbors. It's better to be asked to stay longer by your host than to be asked to leave by your host. True friends remember time is precious. They're conscious of of time constraints on the other party. You may be bored with nothing to do, but others are not sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. Discretion requires you to be conscious of, of others and their time limitations or needs. Do not presume on others just because you do not have a life. Other people have lives. Life is short. There's never enough time. To get everything done takes time. It takes urgency. A five-minute phone call once a week is a precious reminder of a friendship. An hour phone call twice a week is a burden that no man can bear. Keep the conversation moving. Get off the line quickly. Be a true friend and preserve your friend's love for you. There you go. That good preaching? That's great preaching? Am I stepping on anybody's toes? Absolutely. Nobody here would stay too long at the house. Absolutely not. I know that. <laughs> Again, there are exceptions to this rule. If a person's got a very, very good friend, but a very, very good friend will let you know that you're staying too long and you can leave and you won't be angry. So that's the kind of people that I'm talking about. Two are better than one. And friendship is a great blessing, according to Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Hearty counsel from a friend rejoices a heart like ointment perfume. And friends should be kept carefully in Proverbs 27 and 9. One way you can do this is not to presume on their time. Now the proverb here neither constrains nor minimizes friendship, but rather it perfects and protects friendship. Here is no, there is, here is no condemnation of warm and friendly discourse, but the abuse of time by presumptuous and unconscious friends. The, the, the Bible exalts friends as being truly friendly. So being truly friendly is somebody who is willing to not presume on your friendship. Not to presume that they can take you over completely. How many times through the years that I have seen that, especially on young girls... I have one friend, and they absorb that friend. And if you have a friend, somebody else's friend, the boys are not so much that way. Girls are terrible at it. And, you know, and if, they, if somebody else is a friend with your friend, that that won't work, then you're mad at that person now because they took your friend away from you. And they call us shallow. That's exactly right. Women don't have a right to call us shallow. One for the brains of men, what would women do? All right. <laughs> Do you still need some social guidance? Let me help you with this. A little bit more social guidance here, just so you'll have some understanding. Do not arrive too early to a private function. On time, five minutes early, or fashionably late. Charles will tell you how to be fashionably late. <laughs> See, I give him a, that was not, I, I said he was fashionable with my dad. He said, fashionably late. Now, that's, uh, we're, we're going to help you a little bit more here. I, I, I'm not so sure on this one. Some of you can help me on this one. It's a little bit of research I'm doing. Is it proper at a social function to bring a small gift, but do not expect the person you're bringing it to to open it? Anybody? 
I knew you would like it. Yeah. Well, we could say if it was an eating function, a small gift would be something, something you know, to add to the, to the menu that night. Dessert? Well, that would be all right. Anybody else? Go ahead. All right. But at least that lets you know that you appreciate the invitation, that you're there. All right, so, you know, maybe the gift, I understand you don't have to do that, but, you know, you can always tell them, well, I brought you a gift, but dog ate it, or, you know, something of that nature, that, or had you a gift, dog ate it, or my wife, you know, she lost it, something of that nature. So you don't expect them. Send a thank you card. Now, this is a good thing always. Send a thank you card after the event. If, if eating out, attempt. You ready? If you are out eating with someone, attempt to pay for it. And if you know they're deadbeats in the church, don't invite them to eat. Is that a good one? <laughs> all right. <laughs> you like that one too, did you? All right. All right. Just, just don't invite them out. You really should attempt to pay. Because if this be the case, your host's going <laughs> to, they think you're going to, you're presuming on him. Now, I know that a lot of times it, we don't do that pretty much, but a lot of times it used to be if you invited someone out to eat that they presumed that that meant you were going to pay for it. I learned that didn't work a long time ago. So, <laughs> But that, you know, that, they, that used to be, that's not the case anymore. But if a person invites you out, you know, if you can try it, if you got the money to attempt to pay, it makes a big difference. Uh, it really does. People like going out with someone like that. And, uh, of course, they would if they pay for everything. But So at least you ought to try to. And dress at least equal to the occasion for the event. At least equal to the occasion. Don't look like a slob all the time. That good preaching? Good. These are social decorum now. All right. You know, it's, this is the kind of thing we don't get enough of. Sometimes it's nice to learn it. If you're overcome by urge to communicate, get down on your knees and pray. Best thing to do. If you've got to talk to somebody who's absolutely have to, talk to the Lord. Spend the time with Him. The Lord has a multitasking switchboard open just for you. But your mere mortal friends do not have that. And, and, and walking and talking with the Lord will do you as much or more good as well. And if you cannot think of what to pray and your friend is on your mind, then pray for your friend. Do you ever think about that? You know, you got your buddy on your mind. Maybe I need to call him. Maybe you need to pray for him. And then later you can give him a three-minute conversation and say, did you need anything? I felt like praying for you. I believe that they would appreciate that. I do believe that. So we have to, we have to look at all of this. There's no need to, for caution or reserve and coming boldly and repeatedly to God's throne in prayer and staying there as long as you need or desire. For Jesus lives forever, the Bible says, as your high priest. God requests your importunity. In fact, he tells you to keep coming to him, keep coming. The unjust judge, the parable of the unjust judge. Uh, because of the widow's importunity, because she kept asking him and kept asking him, and, of course, he uses that to say, how much more would your Father, which art in heaven, give you your needs? 
in this case where she asked, keep asking God, talk to God, and, and you'll find out that a lot of that need for communication will leave. I guarantee you one thing. It's nice, and I, I realize being alone sometimes could be a bad thing, but there's times when if I want to talk to somebody, there's times I've really asked God, you know, would you let some, somebody call me and, and just give me a kind word, you know, another preacher or something. Never happens for me. But guess what? I make it through because I'm talking to God and the kind word that I need comes from heaven. And that's the only really good word that we need, folks. If you learn to depend on God a whole lot more, it's not that you need less friends, but you don't have to impose on your friends constantly. There's people I, I, I've had, Brother brother Cisco, so you know, you never call me. And I tell him, Brother, brother Cisco, if you need to talk to me, call me. And the reason I say that is because I know how many people call him and are looking for a word from him. And, and, and that's, I'm not going to do that to somebody. I just absolutely am not. It'd have to be a dire emergency for me to do that. I really truly believe that God can answer every one of my prayers and every one of my needs. If I've got some kind of uh, peace that I need in my heart, I know where that peace comes from because Jesus can give me that peace. I don't have to get it from somebody else. I can get it right from the throne. God is never weary of your coming, and He will draw ever closer to you by your much coming. There is no better time than now to approach His throne, for He neither slumbers nor He sleeps. No matter what time it is, you don't have to get up at midnight and call somebody to try to get a, a, a word from them. God will give you that word. So we just need to learn to go to Him, because He's the only one that really matters. All right, I'm going to take just a couple of minutes. Any questions or comments concerning, did I go at this too hard? Do you think that, that, that we should always be at our friend's door, beating on their door, or, or doing something, or constantly be in connection with them? Let me ask, anybody have any input on that whatsoever? Do you think I, I'm wrong in how I'm talking? Of course, if I'm wrong, then Solomon was wrong. If Solomon's wrong, it means God was wrong. So be careful what you say. So go ahead. Anybody? Question? Go ahead. Here. I'm more prone to give to somebody that would give to me. I would go out of my way to give to somebody and and, and fellowship with somebody that would, would give back to me. It's hard for me to fellowship with people that literally want to take from you all the time and take from everybody else. And I grew up in a pastor's home, and maybe it's, it's, it's a, I guess it's a bad uh, thing to want to be a pastor if, if you feel jaded. And I try not to be jaded, but I've seen people literally suck the life out of my parents, out of uh, money. I saw my dad and mom do without to give to people, to be, uh, to, to be hospitable. And, and, and I don't want to do that sometimes because I've seen, I seen us kids do without. And I don't like that. And I don't, I won't, I won't be friends, personal friends, with people that constantly take from people. And maybe that's wrong, and maybe I need to pray about that. But I, when I have friends that'll say, "Hey, let me get, I'll buy this," and then I'll, the next time I'm buying theirs, that's it. You know what I'm saying? They're always willing to help and give. I just don't want to be around people that don't want to help anybody else. I really believe that's what they're saying. Anybody else? Go ahead. My wife could be a hermit too. Yeah. 
Now, there we go. I, re- I, I, I take it all back. <laughs> take it all back. Anybody else want to add to that? And, and there's nothing wrong. Well, I mean, before we go any, there's nothing wrong with that feeling because you're never able to help more than one person if you don't disconnect. Go ahead, sister. <laughs> okay. Should be a Sunday night. All right. It's, it's, it's true. We just, you know, we, we have to learn. We're together a lot. We're together a lot, and we, and we should. We need fellowship. This church is great at fellowship, and, and, and one of the, the, the qualities of a, a very good, a great church is what I want to use, is the fact that they stay late and talk to one another, and this church does that. And they come early, they come late, they're fellowship, but, and it's, this is the place to do it. You shouldn't follow somebody home unless they invite you, and it's for sure you don't stay there. You know, Sunday night we get out a little early. You need, if someone wants to invite you over for, for dinner, it may be fine. And you might not go to work till 3 o'clock the next afternoon. But they may get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Those are things you have to keep in your mind. You have to, you have to think about that kind of thing. Go ahead. Oh, boy, that's a good one. Anybody want to answer that? What's the appropriate? Well, Doug will have a good answer. Let's hear that. We'll... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's that easy. It's so easy to do that. I think that you're going to have to eventually sit down and talk to that person and tell them that you have other things to do besides answer text messages and emails and phone calls. Uh, and, you know, or get them a copy of this and send to them. That would get, that would get it done. <laughs> but, you know, you, you will but because that, that becomes, it gets to the point where you become bitter and then it can lead to hatred can lead to where you hate that person and and you know it's you've got to think about it is that friendship that i have is it worth saving and if it's worth saving then i need to have a talk with this person because it's going to get to the point where i'm going to make them mad you know i'm you're going to blow up and that's that's the sad part because i don't so much anymore but i used to have that you you take it and take it and take it until finally you just Kaboom! And then after you're done blowing up, everything around you's messed up. So you know you you don't want that. So it pays to do it while you're still able to speak sociably. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else want to answer that? Go ahead, sis. Oh, they don't go to strangers. They click in their little clicks. Yes. Uh, 
That's a great point because that's the very thing that we're speaking about. Even with family members, it, you can spend too much time around family members. You know, spread out a little bit. Same thing that you said. There comes a time when you have to kick that one out of the nest and go to the one that needs you. That's good. That's a good point. Excellent point. Anybody else? Go ahead. The opposite, then. You know, the best thing to do in a situation like that is to be sure that you have something at a given time that you need to do. Now, I've, I've had to do, I know what you're talking about, uh, in visiting people and, you know, I, I, I know, and please understand what I'm saying, that it, it speaks about visiting the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. The Bible tells you to do that. The affliction of both of them is loneliness. And, and so when you're, you're around someone that's lonely, they don't have anything else to do, you know, especially in that case. So they want you to stay. You, you know, I go on a visitation all day long, and I could spend three or four hours at one place, and that's as far as I would get. Because after three or four hours, you don't want to visit anybody else. And, and, and what you have to do is be sure that you're on a, some kind of time constraint. You've got to make your own schedule. Okay, I've, I've gone over here, but I've got this to do. I've got to go home and, and, and count the rocks in my driveway or, or, you know, or scrub the tiles with my toothbrush, something of that nature. You, know, you, you understand what I'm saying, but you have to do that. Um, did you ever hand up? You know, and what you're saying is especially true, and in, in with the work schedules I know in, in Spencer, when you have to go to work so early, so many of them do, uh, it's, like, it's, it's like Sunday night, you know, everybody wants to go out and fellowship, you have a good service, you want to go out and fellowship, but, you know, before long you're looking and it's 10 or 11 o'clock and you've got to get up in four or five hours. Uh, and, you know, you, you have to think about things like that because how bad you feel the next day. And so, you know, when a person has to leave if you're in a group and you're out fellowshipping and they have to leave don't don't try to talk them into staying when you know that that person has to get up so early the next morning there again that's just that's not being right in in your relationship with your friend you had your hand up okay I know. I know what you're saying exactly. And every time and every time you go over there they talk about the same thing that you talked about last time.
Yeah. How do you deal with that? Now, are you going over to their house? They come to your house. Oh, on the phone. Is this a really good friend? They talk. Can you talk to the Bible with them? Well, if you can, and they're not, in a, you know, they're not saved. They need salvation. Then you have to start turning that conversation your direction and be more of a teaching thing. They're either going to love you, or they're not going to call you anymore. You know that that that's what you're going to have. You're going to have to. What you're going to have to do is grab the conversation. You can't let them direct the conversation because I know I know about that boring conversation. I I I know about that. Uh, believe me. And you talk, and you know it's, it comes to the same thing. Yeah. Well, you have to let them know, too. It comes a time you just have to look. I've got other things I have got to do. And if they've been a good friend to you, they, ought, they should understand that. They really should. Uh, it's very, very, you know, hard. When you talk about, you know, interaction like this, there's a, a lot of things. And, you know, we, you try to be nice, but it just gets to the point that where the Scripture said you hate that person. You don't want to hear. You see their name come up on the caller ID, and you run the other way. Or you just turn the phone off, or you know, do what? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. All right. Anything else? All right. Uh, let's stand. I, I just found out, but Charles, I know your dad passed away yesterday. Well, let's let's have special prayer for uh, him and his family. I just just now heard that um, he passed away, and. Uh, when they they have funeral, you know anything? Your brother, your brother doing it or? Oh, okay, okay. Well, let's have special prayer for him. Uh, just ask God to touch him. Let's just kind of raise your hands this direction. I, there's nothing, nothing harder right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank.